Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. supporter so i'll take my my cut in a check oh well we already started recording so welcome everyone to space with mess your podcast uh my name is tony and you may have heard a very interesting intro there uh from our guest host today um and if you didn't hear anything it's because we decided to cut it out because he begged me to cut it out but (laughs) there might be that um uh, today i'd like to welcome a good friend to the podcast his name is joe schwab hello joe hello everybody i'm joe Joe's really excited nice to, be to be here. here. I'm very excited to be here. Um, Joe big fan. is a good friend and a supporter of the podcast. Um, happens to be both. Um, one was not necessarily before the other. Uh, and so we also happen to work together. And he came to me with a, a topic that he's super passionate about. And I was really, really curious about as well. So I said, hey, why don't you come on the podcast? And let's learn about it together. So we've been doing some research. And we're going to have some fun today. Oh, yeah. Uh, today we're talking about antimatter. Uh, Joe, first, I guess. Everyone knows Flo really well. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, yeah, I, uh, I grew up here in Southern California. Um, my grandfather actually worked for NASA um, and Rockwell That's so cool. and North American Aviation. And so he was a big part on a lot of that. I tell you, my uh, father-in-law bought a North American Aviation shirt and he's been wearing it yeah what and i asked him i forgot which connection what connection he had i think he has a family member that worked there too i didn't know you could still buy those that's awesome yeah it's like an online shopify store probably yeah yeah so he worked on the orion missions um namely 11 and 13 and wait 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 tell the story oh yeah yeah, okay okay (laughs) so (laughs) So if any of you have ever seen the movie um apollo 13 you'll know there's a part where they get stuck up in space and it's like, what do we do? Um, and then on Earth, there's a room full of engineers. And Wait, but what was, I think they were running out of oxygen. Oxygen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on Earth, there's a room full of um, engineers, and they basically take everything that they would have on the ship and throw it on a table and say, what can we do to fix this? And my grandfather was very, like, quiet about what he did, didn't talk about it very often. And we were watching that movie, and he goes, oh, yeah, I remember being there. And we're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I remember, I remember doing that. Like, no way. And then at his funeral, his, uh, there were some representatives that came. I think they were from NASA, one of the agencies, and they brought a um, picture of a plaque on the moon, and his name is one of the names on it. So Dang. that kind of blew all our minds. Okay. Joe, you can go now. That's why I brought you on the show. Yes. So you can go. Uh, I don't need you for the rest of the episode. Okay, so. cool. Yeah, well, thanks, was... guys, for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's been fun. <laughs> Can I have some cab fare? Cause <laughs> yeah, sure. You drove me here. So. Um, yeah, of course. Um, so actually, yeah, actually, you should probably just stay because I drove you. Okay, That cool. makes sense. Oh, I'll stay. Um, well, Joe, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Uh, really, really excited to be back and doing this. You know, life has been pretty hectic, but we try to do this when we can. For those of you who aren't part of my daily life, uh, my HOA decided to declare war on my wife and I <laughs> because they tried to hire an unlicensed contractor to speedily, quickly, swiftly, build, quickly. half build a termite rot load bearing wall without a permit. Yeah. And uh, not cool. Seems so legit, though. We forced them to get a permit and they verbally abused us. So we're <laughs> in really good, uh, really good sites with them. Anyway, today we're going to be talking about antimatter, like I said. But first, 
let's jump into the news. So the first one that we found today that was super cool, that's really, really relevant, is that Jupiter will soon be so close to Earth that you'll actually be able to see its moons without a telescope. Yes. So we should actually be able to spot Jupiter in some of its larger moons, those four main ones, uh, Ganymede, Callisto, Io, and... Europa. Europa. Go check out Europa. With um, more, nothing more than a pair of binoculars, um, starting June 10th. I don't know what day it is. To the 12th. Is. It's a... Monday. It is Monday. Uh, it's Monday. Because my sister's wedding is Saturday, so that's the only reason. I Your sister's getting married this weekend? She is, yeah. Whoa. It's a cool. DIY wedding, so we've been busy. Oh, been that's busy. so cool. Yeah. Um, cool. I almost asked how old she's turning. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, okay. Married years old? She's turning zero married years old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Perfect. All right. We have um, an asteroid the size of a football field is coming for Earth. So <laughs> That's terrifying. Let's pack up. Yeah, we're done. Pack up and and move to Europa since we can see it. Yeah, so since we can see it, we can move there. Yeah, yeah, that's for what, sure, for that's sure. That's the logic. Um, <laughs> but don't freak out. Its diameter is the width of a football field, about forty meters wide. Oh, so it's not hundred meters. No. Okay, that would be terrifying. Yes. Yeah. We're okay. It's okay. just half that size. ESA says this particular asteroid has a 1 in 7,299 chance of hitting us. Oh, okay. So very, very, we so, should be very afraid. Yes, there's a really good chance that we're going to get hit. So awesome. That show preppers, they're actually the ones. Oh my gosh. Are, they're on point. Have you seen? Oh yeah. Did we talk about this? Yes. Okay. Flo told me to go watch preppers. There are people that are selling Komodo dragons. <laughs> That's what you told me. Uh, to raise. To raise money to survive. Yeah. When you first world. told me that, I thought you said they were going to, they were breeding them to like create an army that would be way cooler because they might like yeah but then they'll find the forbidden world and then they'll have that white and black dragon and all that stuff it's just a whole thing um so what defines uh like at risk like for for them to like put it on their list oh i'll tell you well the (laughs) threshold for action is if an asteroid is determined to have a one in a hundred chance of impact with earth what i think is a little low i think i'd rather it be a little higher yeah i'd rather be higher (laughs) one in a hundred is is a little too close um but well Okay, well, that's the threshold. So the uh, the asteroid which is coming for Earth, which is um, very simply named two zero zero six QV eight nine. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, there are in addition to that one, <laughs> there are eight hundred sixty nine other near Earth asteroids on ESA's risk risk list. So the, one of them was nine hundred meters across. I saw. I really hope that one doesn't yeah, doesn't, doesn't hit us because. There are no uh, Komodo dragons that could protect us from that. No, there. Well, not yet. Not yet. Um, in other news, oh, I've always wanted to say that. In yeah. other news, <laughs> we get to name a star and its planet. So the International Astronomical Union, the IAU, is the governing body that manages the names of astronomical objects. Um, so it announced a global name exoworlds campaign on Thursday that invites every single country on Earth to name an exoplanet and its star buddy. Aww. So the IAU has already done the heavy lifting and figured out which stars are visible by small telescopes from each country. So okay. the U.S. gets to name the yellow dwarf star HD 17156. Well, I don't know why we would change that. It's I don't know why we would. Either. Rolls off the tongue. And that's in uh, Cassiopeia constellation along with its exoplanet. HD 7156B. <laughs> and then the UK will need to come up with a fitting name for WASP 13 in the Lynx constellation. Um, so, and there's then Australia, I think, ha- there's his, um, hold on, let me look. Uh, HD 38283 in Mensa. So, really good things coming to every planet. Who decides what we're going to name it? 
Um, so I'm assuming the United States will be in charge of putting together some kind of vote. Mm, okay. Um, cool. I think you can do those types of things online. Okay. I think. It's just like name things in space. I don't know. Online. We've got That's a lot cool. of nerds. We're going to name it something. Oh, fun. yeah. It's going to be something. <laughs> so um, today's uh, topic we're going to cover is antimatter. Now, when he brought this to me, Joe brought this to me, it was something that I've been curious about, but I, I don't really know much about antimatter. I, I was pretty sure that there's, you know, there's research being done to see how it can propel spacecraft but that's kind of all i knew yeah so we're gonna give you guys a little history um some fun facts how we're hoping to use it and and all that stuff um this actually will play really well into our quantum physics episode as well uh, so starting out in 1928 my grandfather was born i think wow i think that's impressive i gotta ask i should call my mom right now i can, I can do it i'll freaking do it <laughs> you'll do it um here, let's do it like this. I hope she picks up. Oh, it's my dad. Huh. I, hope he picks I don't know up. what time he gets off work. Let's see. Typically, he answers, though. Hi. Hey, Dad. How's it going? Good. Just walked in the door. Nice. Uh, quick question for you. What year was yep. Papa born? 28. Nice. Very nice. Okay. That's all I needed. That's all he needed. Okay. I got to go. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. I, I'm in the middle of a Space with Messier podcast. <laughs> okay. Enjoy. All right. Talk to you guys later. Goodbye. Bye. So there you have it. I was right. I'm so <laughs> happy I knew my good. grandpa's birthday. Okay. So in 1928, British physicist Paul Dirac, we're agreeing on Dirac. Wait, isn't that also, sorry, isn't that also Mickey Mouse's birthday? You know what? I think it is. I'm definitely the guy who would know that. Yes. I'm shaking my head now. Hold on. Wait. We're we can just going to say call, that. That's a yes. can, we're going to call someone. We'll call somebody else. We'll we call another friend. We have the internet friend. at our fingertips. And we're going is, to call someone. Uh-oh. Okay. Hold on. This is fun. I've never thought of doing this. This is fun. It's like who wants to be married in here. Hello? Geishing Bang Bang. You're on Space What's with that? Messier. Say that again? You're on Space with Messier podcast right now. Oh, hi. Hey. Uh, <laughs> quick question for you. I've got Joe here. Yeah. Hey. Um, co-hosting Hi. today. Uh, what year was Mickey Mouse born? Oh. That's a great question. If you were to guess. I think he's... Hold on. I gotta do the math. I think he's like... Oh, wait. He just turned 90. Duh. He just turned 90 this past year. 2018. So that means... Would that be 1928? 1928. Uh, is that 90 years ago? Yes. Yes. All right. Nice. We're Kelsey, just... We're two for podcast episode magical yep. thank you oh well thank you and have a magical day <laughs> happy happy mickey day bye okay bye <laughs> so we're both really good at guessing things yeah okay so great so whoa my grandpa's as old as mickey mouse that's impressive okay in 1928 <laughs> did anything else happen in 1928 <laughs> probably um the british british <laughs> physicist paul Dirac wrote down an equation that posed a problem. So it, for those of you who have taken algebra or calculus, um, the equation x squared equals 4. Now, humor me here. If you can try and imagine this in your head, I just took calculus a couple years ago, so it's kind of fresh. Um, on Basically, it looks like a big U that is cut in half by the y-axis. And it starts off at 1. Uh, the lowest point is 1 on the y-axis, and it kind of goes up like a big U. Um, so it can have two possible solutions. Because x is squared, x can either be 2 or negative 2. Now, I know that's just the math 
part of it, but if you were able to imagine it, then perfect. So Dirac's equation um, could also have two solutions, very similar to that. One for an electron with positive energy and one for an electron with negative energy. So this is the, the physics part of this, but classical physics and common sense dictated that energy of a particle must always be a positive number. So Dirac interpreted the equation to mean that for every particle, there exists a corresponding antiparticle, um, exactly matching that particle, but with opposite charge. Dang. Yeah, that's a lot right yeah, there, but that's... that's that's the background that deserves to yeah. be known. So yeah, yeah. Um, Dirac put together Einstein's special relativity relativity equation, which says light is the fastest moving thing in the universe, and quantum mechanics, which describes what happens in an atom. For example, for the electron, there should be an anti-electron for or positron, which we've already discovered. Which we yeah we discovered okay. that, and it's not one of the transformers. Okay, okay, yeah, sure, just sure, making sure. Okay. Um, identical in every way, but with a negative or I'm sorry, a positive electric charge. The insight opened the possibility of entire galaxies and universes made of antimatter. Ooh, which we will get to. Yeah, we will. But when matter and antimatter... In the world. <laughs> in the world. Sorry. Where matter and antimatter come in contact, they annihilate each other. They do. Wait, no, though, that's important. That's when actually matter true. matter and antimatter touch, they, they totally explode. In a flash of energy. Yeah. Fun fact, in the inner world, if you've heard Bill Hader, he can do that, that voice, that movie voice, perfectly. Really? Yeah, the podcast that was recommended to me, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Oh, I heard that was good. It's really funny. Yeah. I wasn't a Conan fan before it, but I listened to the one with Bill Hader, and I was like, I think there's an acronym for this, but I was laughing out loud um, the entire time. I don't think there's one. I don't we think so. We should invent one, though. Possibly. Uh, okay, so basically he predicted that based on Einstein's special um, relativity equation, and quantum mechanics, that there has to be this opposite thing. Yes. Okay, cool. cool. So what's the background of antiparticles, Joe? I'll tell you, oh, uh, innocent bystander. Very good transition. That was sick. This is good. In Lots the heart of, of an atom called the nucleus are <laughs> protons, which have a positive electrical charge, and neutrons, which have a neutral charge. Electrons, which generally have a negative charge, occupy orbits around the nucleus. The orbits can change depending on how... Sorry, I thought you were going to say something. I was going to say like a planet. Like a planet. The orbit. Yeah. I don't know. You're yeah. good. I want to keep learning about electrons. You're Let's good. do it. The orbits can change depending on how excited, quotations, the electrons are, meaning how much energy they have. In the case of antimatter, the electrical charge is reversed relative to matter, according to NASA. Anti-electrons, called positrons, again, not transformers, behave like electrons but have a positive charge. Antiprotons, as the name implies, are protons with a negative charge. These antimatter part particles, which are called antiparticles, have been generated and studied at huge particle at huge particle accelerators such as the Large Hadron Collider operated by CERN, the European Organization for Nuclear Research. There you go. So I think it's yeah, yeah that's it. So antimatter is not anti gravity. So sadly. Antimatter still reacts with gravity normally. And I promise, guys, we will get to how this relates to space. I promise. Yes, um, but the background's important, uh, I feel, so to, to fully understand it. So the, the main, the main like, scientific question right now revolving antimatter is that they're created in super high-speed collisions of atoms. So in the first moments after the Big Bang, only energy existed. And so as the universe cooled and expanded particles of both matter and antimatter were produced in equal amounts, we think. 
why matter came to dominate our current universe is a question that we have no idea. So think about that. So if, if the Big Bang was this huge explosion of energy, we weren't there, I guess we don't know exactly, but they're making pretty big assumptions here that it was all energy in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Then I'm wondering if it was matter and antimatter that caused the Big Bang. Colliding. Colliding. At a huge... But if it was for sure energy back then, how did it result in matter and antimatter now? And if we know that explosions typically give off equal amounts, then why is there an unequal amount of matter and antimatter today? Yeah. That's the main question that scientists are pro uh, hoping to solve. And I think we go into it later, but there is more antimatter than matter. Am I correct? I have no idea. I think it's in here. We'll, we'll get there. Oh, did I write that down? I think you did, or I did, but I'm pretty sure there's All more. right, let's get to it. We'll find out. I'm getting pretty, uh, I've got a pretty unfamiliar drink here, which is probably why I'm so scatterbrained. Yes. For those of you at home, it's a cappuccino. Cappuccino. Yeah, I don't typically drink We don't these, know what that means. But, but our workplace just bought, so we decided uh, to use our workplace as a recording space because Joe and I work together. Mm -hmm. We just freaking bought a expensive. Very expensive. What is it called? Uh, don't call it, it, don't call it that. It's a name. It's not a coffee machine. Oh, no. It does not make coffee. Not this a single. Thing was everything but thousands of dollars. Everything but. But the machine doesn't make coffee. It'll make you a cappuccino. It'll make you espresso, oh. a double espresso, cappuccino, macchiato, hot chocolate, flat white, hot chocolate, all these drinks. But not coffee. But not just a coffee. Cup, a cup of coffee. So I saw that coffee machine. Sorry, that espresso machine with a big iPad display. Literally, guys, thousands of dollars. <laughs> it was so big they had to cut open the cabinet just to fit it. <laughs> And we're still using the Keurig. And I coffee. used the Keurig this morning. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. I had a crazy morning. Crazy okay, we'll get into that. You did have later. a crazy morning. Let's get into it now. Let's okay, get, uh, yeah. I had a crazy, crazy morning. Dude. This morning, okay, so for those of you who don't know, about six months ago, <laughs> no, what was it? On Thanksgiving morning, my wife and I got kind of forced out of our apartment because we were brushing our teeth and we noticed water coming out of the light fixture. I've told the story like four times on this podcast. You, you guys want? are probably sick of it. We're still not in a condo, guys. Okay. <laughs> Long story short, I think I did I tell you already? I think I, I said it already. The HOA and the Yes. Yeah. The okay. So that happened this morning. I was supposed to be here. Uh I was supposed to be at work yesterday. I got a promotion, which I'm very, very excited yep. about. I'm now a director, which I yes. did not think I would be. Uh, but now I am. And I was so excited to come to work as my first day as a director. And what happens? I found the, the, out the gender of my child this morning, which was amazing, and nobody will know. Dang it. Until Addie's birthday. Okay. Then at 9 a.m., I was supposed to... Oh, by the way, the gender of my child, uh, my unborn child. I definitely know the gender of my born child, so... <laughs> we figured that out. Yeah, I'm a fairly conservative human being, so... Yes. Okay, yeah, we're we covering it. that. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she decided. So then at 9 a.m., the city inspector was supposed to come and give a final inspection... So that we can finally move into this condo that we bought two and a half months ago. I'm, I'm guessing it went great. It was a freaking no-show. Okay, I got there at 9, and I waited till 12.30, my first day in this new position, and I'm four hours late to work because a city inspector didn't do his job. Yeah. So what did I do? I'm a millennial. So I went to the city Yelp <laughs> profile, and I rated them one star <laughs> because that's how I know they're going to reach back out to me. That's true. Isn't that sad? That that's is pathetic. sad. Okay. That's where we're at. Anyway. Okay. <sighs> Sorry, guys. Okay. I needed that. Yeah. 
It's okay, man. So now... Now let's get into some space stuff. We got to get into some space stuff. Let's get into some space stuff. So... Freaking HOA. We... <laughs> so, <laughs> the antimatter spaceship. Let's talk about let's it. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. So, <laughs> sorry. So, basically, when, when antimatter particles interact with matter particles, they annihilate each other and produce energy. So, this has led engineers to speculate that antimatter powered spacecraft might be an efficient way to explore the universe. Yeah, okay, efficient. It, let's quote unquote efficient. It takes about $100 billion to create one milligram of antimatter. So, while research can get by on like a, a lot less antimatter, the minimum amount needed to like actually propel you, like give you power and propulsion, is a hundred billion dollars. That's a lot. Uh, to be commercially viable, I the price NASA says would need to drop by a factor of ten thousand. Uh, so power generation creates another headache. It costs far more energy to create this antimatter than the energy that one could get from one single reaction. But that's where we're at now. That's so, where we're at now. Correct. It does seem... But where were we at back then where, and in the future? Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I'm coming back. Yes. Back from... I'm back from the future. You're back from the future, Marty. Yeah. Like fly. Sorry, I'm squishing my chair and it's making fart noises. <laughs> yeah, okay. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> totally my chair. That was my chair. That sounds just for like sure, a chair. For sure, for sure. But, I mean, it's. it seems like the could be the most viable... In the future. It's just expensive. But so Very was spaceflight back then, too. And the Elon Musk happened. So. Right. But basically, it would be a... Would it be reoccurring? Were they saying that they would take animatter, animatter and just kind of put it into a big thing and just combust it together? Or actually create antimatter? To actually create it from... That would be Quote, tough. unquote, nothing. Yes. They actually create antimatter at CERN. Yeah. But it takes $100 billion. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So theoretically, if we could get ourselves to where the dark energy, dark, that sounds super dark, where the antimatter is, which is supposed to be in the furthest reaches, right? Am I right there? Uh, we should if, cut this out. If you were... I'm super wrong on a lot of no, things. No, no, no. <laughs> we are asking them. We don't yes. have to cut this out at all. If, if you could somehow collect antimatter that exists, then you could do that. The problem with antimatter, which we'll kind of get to, is that once it's, uh, once it's created, it survives for like a split second. And then it hits. Yeah, and then matter. it no, then it then it dissolves. It like gets destroyed because matter is like a small amount of matter is right in front of it. Yeah, yeah, annihilates. Right. Yeah. So, like for instance, we have we have uh, antimatter coming off our bodies, which is crazy. But it's not enough to like harm us or anything like that. By the time it actually gets outside of our bodies in a place where it can harm us, it's already been destroyed. Yeah, I almost said something really stupid about that. You should say it anyway. I should say. It. <laughs> I was like, what if that's when we like get shocked by things and then I realize there's many other explanations. And I know the reason that happens. I just, it just crossed my mind first. Yeah. But like, it just, you're in such a curious state of mind right now. Right. But how cool would that be? Those little sparks were like little antimatter coming off of you and it hits other matter. And just... But it also would be really, really small. That would be a super cool superpower to be able to emit antimatter, antimatter, like a lot of it. That would be really cool. That would... Can you direct where it goes, or do you just kind 100%. of turn into a ball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. like Iron Man. Oh, gosh. I watched Iron Man oh, 3 last night. That's a good one. So I haven't watched uh, the new Marvel Avengers movie. Okay. I There are behind. 22 Marvel movies in this class. In this class? Oh, it's oh, like oh, new it's era, universe, starting yeah. at Iron Man 1. I have only seen 11 of them. Oh, my gosh. So um, I've seen 
Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, now Iron Man 3. 3 okay. Thor 1. Yeah. Uh, I've also seen Guardians of the Galaxy Good. 1 and 2. Um, and like a couple other ones. Oh, the Captain America ones I've seen. Okay. And Incredible Hulk. Yeah, that one. Is that, is that one in the universe? Yeah. That's it. The Edward Norton one's in it? Uh, it so would have to be. Edward Norton is not officially in it, but they do respect it, I think, okay. as The story. It. But there are two. Mark Ruffalo oh, yeah, has his own one too, right? No. Eric Bana has one oh, from yeah. like early 2000s. It was um, awful. Edward Norton one is... Is considered. Is considered. The Incredible yes. Hulk. Okay. Yeah. Cool. The Incredible Hulk. So last night we watched Iron Man 3 and we're going to watch every single one because you can rent them on Amazon for like two bucks. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then so... Because I've never seen any Avengers movies. That's crazy. I know. Wait, oh, like any of the like where they're all together Age ones? of Ultron. Oh, none of those. I don't even know who Thanos is. Oh my God. I heard that Thor gets really fat. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. I've heard it's hilarious, spoilers. so right. I'm excited. Um, we all get that. Yeah, that's well, true. So it's all good. That's true. I don't know if it's to the same extent that the God of Thunder does, but um, okay. So um, that's how we do space travel, or how we want to eventually do space travel, maybe possibly. But the antimatter warp core has already been created. So why don't we just use that? Uh, yeah, I think it sure has. It was invented back in the '60s with Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. They, I don't uh, know. I wonder. I think this is this is split cat audience. Star Wars, Star Trek. I wonder what it is. I, Star Wars is probably bigger. I'm both. Yeah, I, I, I like. Both. I was raised on Star Wars, but I think I'm more fascinated with Star Trek. Star Trek, the the reboots were fantastic. Oh, they were. Yeah, I think they're. I think the reboots of Star Trek are better than the reboots of Star Wars. Oh, that's. I mean, the reboot of Dora the Explorer was better than the reboot of Star Wars. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I had it's to... phenomenal, by the way. You saw it? It was actually good? <laughs> no. Oh. Anyway. Okay, yeah, what about on. the warp core? So, a primary component of the warp drive method of propulsion in the Star Trek universe is the grav- gravimetric field displacement manifold, nice. more commonly referred to as the warp core. It is a fictional... Re- oh, dang it. It's fictional. It's fake. I was hoping it wouldn't be. It's a fictional reactor that taps the energy released in a matter-antimatter annihilation to provide the energy necessary to power a starship's warp drive, allowing faster-than-light travel. Um, It also serves as a power plant for the ship. You know what? Call it cappuccino. (laughs) Call it out of practice, rusty. Okay. We're going to talk about Harry Potter. Okay. All right. You just said something pretty disappointing. I'm sorry. No, I, I told you before this that if you messed up, no big deal. Yeah. Flo and I mess up all the time. Right. But you said it's referred to as a warp core. Mm-hmm. It is a fictional react. Oh, it's fake. It's not real. Dang it. <laughs> Have you read Harry Potter 7? I've read one and a half. You've read one and half of two? <laughs> there you go. That's what I meant to say. Okay. Have you seen Harry Potter 7 yes. part two? Yes. You know when? Okay. If you haven't read Harry Potter... Don't just, if you're afraid of spoilers, turn it off now. But like, you shouldn't be. It's an old book. Yeah, okay. It's, it's been around for a while. When Harry dies. What? And he goes to that King's Cross station, that white place with Dumbledore. Yeah. Voldemort, or uh, Harry says to Dumbledore, is this, is any of this real or is it all in my head? And what does Dumbledore say? I'll let you tell us. He says, just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's not real. Dumbledore. Dumbledore with that knowledge just dropping it. So good. So don't ever get bummed out, Joe, yeah. when something's fictional. Because it doesn't mean it is. It's so real. Yeah, it's so real. So the the very real warp drive 
Thank that you. is actually real uses antimatter matter yeah. annihilation. And um, yeah, I guess it's pretty dangerous to be near that if you've ever seen the Star Trek movies. It is, correct. Um, it is. Because things happen, but you haven't seen them, so I'm not going to spoil that for you. I've seen some. Oh, you've seen some of the reboots? No. Then I've, oh, they addressed it in the reboots? Yeah. There's okay. also a red matter. That sounds terrifying. That is also in Star Trek and not real, but it's really cool. It's like this like liquid that just a drop of it once it interacts with like other matter yeah it creates an enormous explosion like like a black hole creating oh dear god yeah okay that's terrifying i should watch those next they're so cool okay so on my movies of list to what movies, movies of lists of list to, watch. to watch um i have marvel okay top gun top, well that's just one you can get that out pretty easy yeah. well, i guess there was a wasn't there a sequel i don't know was there don't watch it it's probably okay. one of those like cheap ones um then we have what else do we have star trek haven't seen pulp fiction star trek but i really thought i should start with the old series but then i was watching the old series and it it's pretty bad it's hard man we watched we my dad and i used to watch the actual tv show i mean no disrespect but to be like engaged in a tv show I, it's hard the nice thing about the new ones i've heard i need to start with voyager oh the new new one the Discovery? new new ones um, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the movies. Oh, so the oh, Chris, Chris Pine. Pine. Oh, Chris Pine's great. Yes. I love him in and you Princess Diaries. Seen oh, he was great in Princess Diaries too. He was. Princess Diaries too. Yeah. Um, Your grandfather's bike. Sorry. <laughs> and also so is Gandalf. Nope. Gimli. 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 There listen. you go. Um, <laughs> same thing. But yeah, no. Uh, in the first... Uh, thoughts. The movies are great if you've seen the original series because they do bring in... When you say original series, do you mean like... TV show. TV show, but like into the movies too. It's all the one storyline. Leonard story Nimoy, line. yes, all those not Picard. Not Picard. I'm talking. Got I'm it, talking. Um, the real. What's his name? William Shatner. Shatner. Yeah. Shatner. Got it. Um, some good stuff in there. Some great stuff. So they they literally it's like, I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's basically two, two storylines. Oh, I've, I've seen the Chris uh, Pine ones. The Chris Pine. Oh, uh, I've seen number one, and I've seen the first one. Oh well, no, I just feel like it was. Well, Chris. That was the red matter. Remember in the first one when they shoot they that creates that. Oh, big black hole at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was red matter. Oh, cool. So also very real. And very, very real. Excited to see how we can use that. Um, so some fun facts about uh, antimatter for, to give you guys some context about how it interacts with us. Um, so we kind of said this: the Big Bang should have created antimatter and matter in equal amounts. So if that had been so, everything would have been destroyed uh, in a bigger bang. Mm-hmm. Um, copyright. Uh, space here. Cool. As far as scientists know, uh, there must have been one extra matter particle for every uh, billion matter or antimatter pair. Wow. Uh, physicists are still trying to figure out why the universe didn't annihilate itself um, and why this asymmetry exists. That's crazy. That's insane. That's too or precise. They're just coming up with these weird, like complexes to. Uh, to explain events that are actually naturally occurring, but they seem almost perfect and not naturally occurring because we just explain them in yeah. such a way. Yeah. I don't know. That's hard. I don't know. But Sounds yeah. bananas to me. It's Speaking of bananas, that was just so natural. Wasn't it? <laughs> bananas actually produce antimatter. Bananas are radioactive. One positron is released every 75 minutes. Wow. So I got, I want, I got some homework for everybody. Grab a banana, set it on the table, well-lit area, and just watch it right next to you right next to you but you have to set it on yourself because if you set it on a table that positron will react with the table and you don't want that you're gonna put it on your belly and you'll feel a, just a little little 
And that is uh, science. Um, as we were saying before, you could be producing positrons right now. However, if all of the antimatter ever made by humans ever were annihilated all at once, the energy produced wouldn't be enough to boil a cup of tea. A cup of tea, eh? Yeah. Is that like British, Canadian, Australian? Yeah. Nice, dude. You've never heard of those? You're just representing all the listeners. Everybody. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. This one's my favorite. Oh, yeah. So a mirror antimatter universe could exist in theory. Many fictional movies, books, comics, etc. deal with this concept. The Justice League's evil counterpart, the crime syndicate, for example, comes with antimatter universe. Whoa, that's So it's like the upside down, kind of? It's like the upside down. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Um, dang, that's super cool. That's super cool. So, Well, Joe, thanks for coming on and talking about antimatter. That was fun. Yeah. This was educational. I didn't know anything about antimatter. So was this really was cool. cool. This is why I, we do this, so yes. we can learn it as well. Um, and then for those of you who are wondering, uh, Flo is doing mission trip work. Uh, really, really cool work across the whole country. We're going to catch up with her when we can, uh, but we're going to be having a lot more co-hosts as well um, just in the time while Flo's doing this. So uh, thank you for welcoming them and listening. I'm going to keep welcoming them and we're going to keep learning new things. So it's been really, really fun. Yeah. Um, Oh, another thing. Uh, If you guys want to, you know, I'm not, I don't typically do this. Um, I, I'm really trying to, and maybe saying this makes it backwards but I'm trying not to be too um, out there with like promoting the podcast. I, I really just want it to be a place of like learning where I, I just solely use it to be fulfilled with my curiosity about space. Um, but it was really, really fun. The other day I was wearing a space messier t-shirt and somebody was like, Oh dude, that's so cool. Where can I get one? And I was like, Oh, okay. You can. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess you can get one. I set up a store like months ago. Uh, but then I thought it should be updated. So I updated the store with some really, really cool new swag. I don't make a profit on any of it, guys. I just put the price like to the next dollar of what it costs to make it and ship it to you. So um, if you want it, uh, go ahead and go to spacewithmessier.com and you can figure out uh, there's a link there to go to the store. Uh, we got some cool new swag. I'm wearing a sweater right now from it that I that I got. And then uh, Joe's wearing his as well. You can see his on Instagram. But we've yeah. got a lot of a couple other iterations of them, too. So. Uh, yeah, if you're interested in getting a logo on a T-shirt or getting some swag, be uh, feel free to check that out. Um, and if you like this episode, share it with your friends or take a screenshot of it and post it on Instagram. And once again, you can support us at patreon.com slash spacebuttmessier or go to www.spacebuttmessier.com to learn how you can get more involved. And like I said, snag yourself a T-shirt. Nice. Joe, it's been a pleasure. This Thank was awesome. I was, really, I was looking forward to it and it was fun. That was really fun. Cool. Awesome. Um, well... Thank you for joining us and um, all of you. Thank you for joining us as we set sail for the bigger bang. The bigger bang. Trademark. <laughs> yeah. <Kiss messy. laughs> Trademark. All right. Bye, guys. Thank right, you. Bye. Thank you. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Roger, Tranquility, we copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. That was definitely an e-ticket.